Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the james altucher show today on the james altucher show so this is not the James Altucher show making a guest appearance on the James Altucher show. So you're going to be, you, the listener, are going to be listening to this same time as I am. I'm about to listen to it. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's Jay, uh, my podcast producer, and Nathan, who has been my audio producer for past eight years or more, and they're talking about the history of the James Altucher show, their relationship to the podcast, what they've learned from it. And I'll probably, by listening to it, I'll probably learn a lot that I've learned from it, but forgotten. But I'm a little nervous about listening to this because I said, go for it. Just say whatever you want, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm, I, I know there's a lot of ugly and I'm about to, to listen to it. So here's not the James Altucher show with Jay Yao and Nathan Rossborough. I'm curious what they're going to be saying. Welcome to the, not the James Altucher show, but you know, I'm Jay, the engineer, and we have Nathan here. Hi, Nathan. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me on today. I'm, I'm trying to see like, how would James introduce you? If people tune in and then they didn't find James on the episodes, I'm pretty sure that's going to be pissed. Maybe they'd be happy. <laughs> I'm trying to. So like the reason why we do this is because well, how many episodes that we have now? More than 700 episodes? We've done more than 700. We're, we're Number-wise, it's in the 600 something, but we've done so many 
miniseries. We were well over 700 episodes. Yeah, so like we did more than 700 episodes. And I felt like we all learned what James has learned, you know. like, But no one really talked about what they learned from James. Especially, you know, like I always think about this. Like, you know, everyone's talked about… The podcast is all about what James learned, you know, mm-hmm. from other guests. And, you know, his experience and his, his life experience and all that. So, you know, I was looking through the episodes and then I'm like, we should do an episode. What do we learn from James? Our James story. Yeah, our James story. So we have Nathan on. Nathan is probably the first engineer that worked with James, right? I don't know if I'm the first, but I've been working with James since 2013. Right. Like you, do you start out with Choose Yourself, the book, the audio book? I did. That's, so James and I met when he was recording Choose Yourself. He was self-publishing and he decided to go to a recording studio and make an audiobook version. And I happened to work on, I think it was engineering some of it, and I maybe edited some of it. My my friend Zane, who's a great audiobook director, had directed the session. And that was, you know, James really trying to test out doing a new product. Some people love it and some people hate it. He talks often about how that audiobook he released was, right. you know, completely different than the book itself. So creating a separate product. And and it's been an interesting journey of kind of like, you know, swashbuckling, rule-breaking journey through publishing and media for, for seven, eight years now. Right. That's what James is, right? He always tried to bend the rule. But uh, I just want to mention, uh, so Nathan is the… So who am I? Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I'm trying to figure out your, 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 your title. I do everything that you don't do and yes. that James doesn't do. Yes. On the James Altucher Show, I edited and mixed the podcast. Right. Uh, I've been doing that since episode 169, I believe, with the Derek Sivers uh, episode was the right. first one where we added on ads. But I had worked with James on his audiobooks beforehand from Choose Yourself Forward. And then I also produced a podcast with him and Stephen Dubner right. where I was doing all of the roles. Right. That uh, the podcast is uh, Question of the Day, right? Question of the Day. Question we did, of the we did right. a, like 200 episodes in the year of that. It was, it was quite right. the, the year. I don't know if you were involved in this. Who came up with the idea of, you know, for the audiobook for, for Choose Yourself? Did, did James just came in and like, oh, this is how I just want to do it? Yeah, I think James, it was, he was trying, he was experimenting with self-publishing. Right. And he had just kind of took it upon himself and said, I'm going to figure out how to release this. Let's just record something and do it. Because he had been releasing podcasts, like early podcast episodes of the James Altucher show, I think, and, and uh, Ask Altucher what he was doing with Claudia at the time. They were just recording on their phone and their car, whatever. Oh. So he was having some traction of recording guerrilla style or non-standard and seeing people were latching onto it and being like, okay, well, I can just do whatever I want, really. Oh, I don't need to follow these rules anymore. Who's to say I can't do this? See, you have been recording, uh, you know, Audible for so long. Do you think that sort of, uh, you know, invented like a new format for audiobook? Has any other people done that format since then? One of the best examples I've seen since then that really stood out to me as a listener, when David Goggins wrote his book, you know, with the ghostwriter, who's a professional writer, and they do it in this way, which is great, where, you know, you could tell a story and then you have a professional writer who helps get it down to the page. So if you're just reading a book, it sounds, you can get a story across. But when David decided to do the audiobook, he went to a studio out in LA, Dion Audio Services, and he and his ghostwriter sat down in booths next to each other. And his ghostwriter was reading 
a lot of the book. You would like read a chapter of the book in David's voice in the first person, and then they'd stop and they'd have a conversation with each other after the right. chapter, and then they'd talk about the story and what was going on and all the stuff. What the bonus things were like? What didn't make it into the book? Like what? What didn't we put into the text that that happened in that story that we want to know? So that right. was a really that was a great example I've seen recently. That was really in, kind of like here's an audio version. This is the book. But right. here's something else, and like, let's express it in a whole different way where we can just kind of like give instant feedback, instant bonus material. James right. and I are doing that on on Skip the Line right now. Oh, so yeah. I, I happen to work on the same time that James added a bunch of new like audio only stories right. in his in his upcoming See, book. That way, I too. think this is this is one of the the thing that we could learn from James. Also, also I learned from James is um, mm-hmm. you know he say this a lot of time. It's uh, I mean a bunch of time the, the spoken wheels. Right here, yep, you know, spoken wheel approach. Yeah, so you have a podcast or you have a book, and then you do an audiobook of it. You know, add something extra and something bonus into it. You know, mm-hmm. so if you have one thing that you're doing, then just think, focus on the one thing, and then you know, like James always say, wake up every day, write down ten ideas, and if you're focusing on one thing, write down ten ideas of how you could expand your one area of focus. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So I work with James and Stephen Dubner on their right. projects at the same time, both together and separately. And of course, James and, and Stephen have been great friends and they were playing backgammon, you know, had, like they were seeing each other all the time. So they were kind of cross-pollinating ideas between themselves as authors and podcast hosts. And that I saw James, what he's doing with the spoken wheel, I learned from him. And I think he learned that from what Stephen Dubner with the Freakonomics team was doing a few years before when their podcast really was breaking big, it happened around the time he's mentioned around the time their their third book came out, the right. third Freakonomics book came out, Think Like a Freak. But the book Think Like a Freak was a book of collection of their blog posts from the Freakonomics blog. So they were taking right. things that they had put out in one format that had traction. They said, hey, we can find a whole different audience in our Freakonomics readers and put this into a book. And then Stephen Dubner came and he was reading the audiobook. He comes, you know, they turned that into new ways to launch an audio version of their blog posts, which are turned into a book back into their podcast listening audience who might not have read the blog. And then you're reaching your entire base with stories that might only have reached one audience, but being able to make money uh, in a non-manipulative way, you know, further your career by just expanding your knowledge base out to your audience in a whole variety of formats. So James is doing that right now and he's been preaching that method out. I don't think the Freakonomics team ever preached it, but James (laughs) kind of learned that idea. And then what I think is amazing is that he's, he's shown me just like, you shouldn't be afraid to just share the idea, give it away. It's like, he's doing it. He's doing it on his own. He's doing it right now. And he's telling you all about it. And he's like, and that's okay. You can do it too. And if you can do it better, make more money. Good for you. You should right. be abundant with your ideas, and normally that works out better than being a, a jerk. Yeah. yeah, that's what he. That, that's what James preached all the time, right? You know, mm-hmm. just give out your idea. You know, write ten ideas down and give out your idea or share your idea with people. I always remember he, he said like, "Oh yeah, people say you know ideas is uh, demo dozens. Mm-hmm. You know, executions is everything. You know, so like you know, ideas are abundance. You know, you, you should be able to share your idea with other people, and people do it." That means you can validate your idea. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that means your idea is great. And then you have something valuable to share or to provide to other people. And also, you know, let's say if they like your ideas, it's your idea to begin with, you can go back to them and give them more ideas. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, you know, both of you can… You can create a relationship, yeah. A yeah. symbiotic relationship where… where it, because it helps to break down boundaries, break down walls when you say… Yeah. 
here's some great ideas. You're, I love what you're doing, and maybe you can even do these things. And cool, I'm really excited for you. And, yeah. you know, it makes the other side want to go, hey, this guy's cool. Let me help this guy out the next time he comes to me. As, if he asks me a question, maybe I won't not answer his email. Maybe I'll be like, right. oh, yeah, that guy's cool. Let me check out his thing. Let me retweet yeah. that. Maybe just do something, little acts of kindness, you know, kind of yeah. spread in, in the long run. Yeah, and on top of that, it's one thing that I also learned from James. Uh, I don't think James think about it when he do it. Uh, I, I learned from it it's, in a way is that like, he doesn't have ego when it comes to break down and analyze other people's victory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if someone it's success in, in some way, he will sit down, he wouldn't be like, oh, why is this guy so much better than me? I'm doing everything. Why right. can't I, you know, he will like look at their strategy, look at what they're doing and then he try to break down. And he also has a weird way and very interesting way of analyzing things that I can't keep up. He think about anything so fast and so broad that like I can't keep up. Like he can just look at what is this guy doing and he can analyze everything that he's doing. And then I'm like, wow, how, how do you analyze all this like so quick. It's freaky. It is. Yeah, it is. So like like so like he doesn't have the ego, which I think it's very important. Like, you know, just throw out your ego. Like whoever it's better than you, just congrats them and then learn from them. Well, yeah, that's that's the benefit of hanging out with Ryan Holiday, right? Right. <laughs> Wait, what was what was what was his book? Ego is the enemy. Yeah, ego is the enemy. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, so that's one thing that I, I learned from James like a lot, which I'm still trying to learn because it's very hard to ditch your own ego. I don't know if you have your ego. I mean, I certainly I have ego. Sure. Especially when, when you work on, pro- like we work on James's show, you know, we have success. It's great. You know, we tried out new solutions. Like you got James, hey, you got that SSL too. And then you bought one for James so we could keep the show going. You reached out to the SSL folks. Now they're like, right. hey, Jay, let's put you on a blog. Let's talk about it. You know, the show's successful. Right. People love it. And then you're like, Great. So we must be the best fucking people in the world at this, right? Because everyone loves it. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. you're like, well, no, maybe it's just because James has some good ideas and we're competent. We can get stuff done on deadline right, most right. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's also a team effort. You know, it's just not that one person, you know, like so. And also, I feel bad because like every time on podcasts, like most people hear my voice, that Nathan voice. So that's why I'm like, I should bring Nathan into light. <laughs> Here I am. So show, show the word. Yeah. Nathan is like the core of the team or, you know, the, the in the machine, the gears and stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. So and on top of like, you know, giving other people a good idea and from a good relationship is also preached one of James quotes, uh, also one of his principles, only hang out to the five person that you like or good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like... like That's a hard it, one to live by though. <laughs> it's really hard because I feel like human in general are attracted to negativity. I agree. And also it's easy to complain to other people in the echo chamber than like, okay, we have to encourage each other and trying to come up with good ideas and throw ideas around. That's how, like, I'm sure that's how, you know, like, James and uh, Stephen Dubners and AJ and everyone, uh, you know, like, that's close to him. That's how their relationship works because they can throw ideas to each other and then they, they enable each other with ideas. Because I learned it this hard way because most of my life, actually, every time I, when I have ideas, I talk to my friends and they're like, oh, man, uh, we don't need another Instagram. Mm-hmm. Or oh man, that's not that's never gonna be happening. Oh man, no one want that. Like that's like how many people in the world? Like more than a couple billion people in the world. Like, are you telling me that no one out of that 
billion people in the world would like my ideas. That's just right. absurd. Yeah. So I don't know if you if you have like that experience or what I've noticed with within James and his group of friends like him, AJ, all these people, uh, Stephen Dubners, they're not ideologically radical in any way. They tend to be very moderate reserve sometimes thinking about it even though you hear the opinions because they have a huge megaphone so every time they open their mouth it's, it's essentially a megaphone right but a lot of the things are questioning norms and just being like cool i accept that things are this way why is it that way instead of just being like okay here's the answer it's like why is this the answer they all have very curious minds but the inquisitive nature really leads itself to having a group who's open to when you want to try out something new and they go, yeah, try it out. They don't go, yeah, that's stupid. We don't need another thing. We don't need another podcast. It's like, right. yeah, what's the harm? Try it out. Maybe it'll work, you know? Right. Go do something and, and see what happens. Yeah, I'll, of course I'll work with you on this. How many things, right. there? like we have a whole, there's a whole podcast series that James and AJ recorded together, right? You did a whole right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, it never, yeah. It never saw light. We've done some things on the show where like we did where we've like been like here's a series that didn't work like the bill murray thing right that didn't oh, get yeah, out yeah. hey we put yep. it out there we tried it like they yeah. recorded that in the background they made those episodes some of these right. things you never even know because they're always trying it's like yeah maybe it sucks maybe you don't want to do it but he works with a group of people who's who are willing to say sure let's try it out right and also it's kind of interesting to see that like even though it's experiment like you can see like james like Everyone put hard work in it. You know, like some people, sometimes you're like, oh, let's experiment with this. Uh, we can just, you know, like just do it, like, you know, however we want to do it. You know, well, yeah, there's a passion behind it that he really wants yeah. to try it each time. And he's yeah. just accepting the fact that he's able to change his reality and do something because he's worked on that baseline enough that he's like, they've all gotten to this place in their career where they can dedicate the time and right. mental space to try something that might not become a main revenue stream without worrying about going broke. Right. That's a place maybe where a lot of people aren't in their career because these are the people who have national megaphones we're used to hearing from. Right, right, right. But still, like, I felt like... Nonetheless, you know, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, but I felt like, you know, experimenting while you are free and while you are you have downtime, it's mm -hmm. still always good because, like, rather than sitting at home, you know, watching TV and, you know, reading books, not that I read books all the time, <laughs> I watch TV all the time. But, you know, like rather than sitting at home and not doing anything, it's, I felt like it's always good to, you know, like experiment with whatever ideas you have. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I know some people would say, hey, this sucks. But I, I mean, if you do it and it turns out great, people turn back and say, hey, good job. But uh, I have another question to ask you. Like, how do you get to work with James? So like you work with James on the audiobooks. How do you, how do you involve in the James Audition show? Did he just like, did he just like, hey, I like you, Nathan. You did great. Work for me. Yeah. So I was just trying to be good at my job and not be a dick. So I was working at a voiceover studio. I ended up working with James. We got along. He was, he wanted right. to try something. And I said, it was like, yeah, let's do it. We made it happen. And the same thing. I ended up working with Stephen Dubner on his audiobooks, um, right. on the Freakonomics. And, and he was like, hey, I really like working with you. So those things were happening. And then. Shortly after, in 2015, I got a full-time job being an audio production manager at HarperCollins, which is what I do as my right. day job. And Stephen had reached out and said, hey, I'm working on this. I just piloted this new podcast with my buddy James. I said, I know James. I worked on his book. Um, right. Uh, like four of his books in that time. And he's like, cool, we're doing this thing. Do you want to be the producer? And I said, sure. 
so I went over to mid-roll and I, I, I interviewed with Chris Bannon and Greta Cohn and I took over that thing and, uh, and we were, we're putting out three to five episodes a week of this show. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Steven was doing Freakonomics with this whole team. James was right. doing the James Altucher show just kind of by himself. Um, he wasn't monetizing that at all. But with Question of the Day, we were going through, we were, we were on Earwolf, uh, mid-roll. Everything was monetized. We had a business plan. The whole thing was set up to be, you know, a business from the get-go, something to make money and launch on a podcast network that, you know, was one of the very few podcast networks at the time. Mm-hmm. And that really exposed James to what um, – could be hap- like what you could do in the podcast market. So at the same time, his podcast was just, wasn't making any money. They weren't monetizing, and he was doing it with our, our friend David Newman. And he right. and he and David were, uh, you know, had started up his his uh his newsletter business. So they were working on this stuff, and they were putting out the show uh, mm-hmm. for nothing. But they were, you know, thinking about hey, how can we monetize these revenue streams how can we do something else and it's like well podcast you know monetize this podcast we're already putting down for free people right. don't still don't have to pay for it they just get to listen to ads it'll get some credence so right. where did james go when he wanted to figure out how to get set up with ads and what these things were paying the guy who was already producing his podcast with mid with the ad broker right nathan nathan <laughs> <laughs> that's it it was simple it's just like hey so do you want to do right. this so david newman reached out to me he said Hey, Nathan, meet Pamela Rothenberg. Pamela is going to be, you know, producing the show. She's helping getting guests, do all the logistics stuff. I was like, great, right. because I don't have time for that. So it was like the one less thing. So I was just worrying about about the edited mix. Um, we were recording remotely at times, you know, do uh, different places. We hadn't, uh, you know, the recording strategies developed right. and, and changed over the years. So I joined on. It just it just kind of happened naturally, and I ended up working on this show ever since, and and then working again with Stephen on. Tell me something I don't know a few years later. Right. See, I, I felt like that's something right there is that you, you're willing to step out of, of your comfort zone. And, and is that, that, that was your first, uh, so like Stephen, uh, the question of the day was your first podcast producing show? That was my first time being a producer. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So like you, you, you are willing to say yes and get out, get off your comfort zone and, you know, like, and start doing the, the producing podcast. It took a little bit of gusto. I, yeah, but I looked at the requirement. I said, I can do this. And the host right. said, we like working with you. We want you to do this. And so right. I, I was like, what's not to... Uh, everything was great, you know? Uh, we yeah. realized... I went in straight from the beginning. I, I talked to Chris Bannon, who's the, the boss over at Midroll, and he said, do you have time for this? Do you have a full-time job? I said, yeah, I can have time for this. I, here's how much we'll, it'll take per episode. We came up with the plan. Uh, where we can right. re- on a recording schedule, whatnot, and we said, you know, let's sign on to this for a year, giddy up, and we uh, right. and we went forward. Why not? That's also like you, you're willing to, you know, you so like like I said, you're willing to step off of of uh, you know of your comfort zone, and and every you know I work with you for for a couple of years now, and I like that you are very straightforward too. You know, like you are straightforward with everything, and you always like James always said, you know, over promise and over deliver. Yes. Do you always over-promise and over-deliver? I, I try to put out quality work as, as right. best I can. I try to... Right. I've learned the hard way over the years. I used to overcommit in a way where I'd burn out. Right. That's been something to learn over the years, being like, it's okay to give it up, you know, putting the ego aside. When I've taken on and you started working with, you know, our, our friend Kamal on his podcast as well. How are you doing that on top of we're putting out four episodes a week of this? Well, right. I reached out to a friend. I said, I need somebody to help out on this work. Can I pay you your rate that's not going to make me any money 
to work on an episode and tell me how long it takes you to do this mm-hmm. and let me pay you for it. And then see, do you have any friends who are like a rank or two below who could do the edit portion? Who could do the prep half, get this right. like really going for me and get them in the, in the progress. So it was like, I expanded my, it did. I just said, yes. I was like, I'm willing to give some of this away so it can say yes and make everybody happy. Now I got an extra person on my team when I need who can do my prep edit. We got an extra set of ears in the process. All right, so I don't think it's a good thing or there's a bad thing. This is also one of James' trade. Uh, I'm sure you will agree with me. James always say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Then he will figure out how to do it after. Yeah, pretty much every single time. And also, I think, you know, like James also have a confidence that he has a pretty competent team like you, you know. So like, like he would you. say yes. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. But like, uh, yeah, so, so he would say yes to something. And then he will think about it and then he will he will throw it over to me and then we talk about it. And James and I will talk about it. How do we tackle it? And then, you know, and then I will, you know, sometimes if it's podcast and audio related, I will run it by you. And then, you know, and then when you say like, yeah, let's do it. And then we all do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So James said, I don't know if this is good or bad. I think it's always a good thing because if you always say yes to something, which means you are ready to step out from your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I do it most of the time, you know. Obviously, you know, like I, I didn't do it as much as James. I would do it because I still have the fear. I still have the fear of what if I say yes and then I can't deliver. Then you will, you might ruin a relationship that way. Right. But, you know, oftentimes if you say yes, you sort of force yourself into finding a creative solution in right. your life to get it done. Certainly. Or yes, let's take it this far. It doesn't always have to be yes and we're going to get this thing to market. And also part of experiment, right? So if you say yes, you say yes to the initial thing. And then once you started doing it, and then you're like, okay, we can pivot and do this thing. Right. It might be better. Right. So it's, you know, that could, that could kind of change the whole narrative too. You're not saying yes to success. You're saying yes to trying it. It's like yeah. you could do an experiment. Experiments fail. <laughs> you don't right. always get the result you want. Like the experiment plays out. And then, oh shit, it didn't turn into gold in the end. You're like, okay, well... Great, we tried it. Or like, oh, it turned. It didn't turn into gold. It turned into silicon. Great. Now we can sell the silicon to you know chip manufacturers. What silicon actually? What, I mean, you know silicon I mean. doesn't. Okay, work. all right, all right. I'm know, thirty I'm years gonna, out of date. No, I'm, I'm no, 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 my no, materials no, 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 market. No. I mean, you've made graphene. You, you've been working with James on the show since what? Episodes 100? How much again? 159? 169? 169. So like, do you see anything change since then? Well, the format has changed a, a million times, it feels like. Yeah. So because I joined pretty late, right? I joined maybe like six months after. I think when we first met, you were engineering the question that no, was it James' No, I didn't. I, it was, I, we started booking you at, for, for James' show at Sweet Sounds. Yeah. We started working, but f- we're doing stuff for Question of the Day as well. We're doing yeah. both shows. Yeah, the first, the first session was Question of the Day, but I don't think I engineered that. I think I was just assisting, I was just assisting and okay. you were engineering it. We had been yeah, recording Question of the, the Day for a long time at a studio called Radio Arts, the Radio Foundation, Larry Josephson's place on the Upper West right. Side, right around the corner from you. Which was oh, great. Really? Yeah, on, I believe it's on the uh, Central Park West in e- West 89th. It's great. Love oh. it. Radio Foundation, Radio Art Studio, Larry Josephson. Right. 
this all went through, I know I've been through the years of James lives in Cold Spring and Beacon. James doesn't have a place. James lives on the Upper West Side. James lives in Midtown. Right. James has many housing situations. So we, we moved studios around to fit where James was going to be living at the time. And we, ah. that's how we ended up near Sweet Sounds. Um, yeah, because he was living like a block away from me. Mm-hmm. From not from me, but from the from studio. From the studio we're working at in, in Soho. Uh huh. Uh, that's what. That's how you guys that's found we, the studio. That's how we ended up starting booking there. We were tr- because uh, we were batch uh, sessions, so we're like, whenever we can find an hour of James and and Stephen in my time during the week, and we could record, you know, five to ten episodes of a fifteen minute podcast in a block. Right. So, um, and then of yeah. course, and we liked working with you know, that, so we kept oh, booking the place, you. and then, you know. You became yeah. a you became a part of the team. You you went from from the assistant engineer on on one podcast to the en- <laughs> like this the engineer at the studio to the engineer for the show to the producer of the show. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like so so James and I have this story that, that we came up with. Like every time when people ask how, how do we meet, like we say like you know James actually just found me on the mm-hmm. on the street street off the fresh of off the boat yeah. of Chinatown. Doesn't know any English, and he took me in. And then he see you know you're Asian, you're good at math and science and computers. You can do this. But yeah, and then he realized he was just good at podcasting. <laughs> but I have to say, like the first time I met you is the first time I actually uh, get uh, actually uh, working on a podcast. Like I heard about podcasts before. I never worked on podcasts before. Uh, you know, that's how how I met you on Question of the Day, and then you guys started booking um, the studio. I remember mm-hmm. the first episode was uh, James with Jesse Isler. Wow, the James after your show. Yeah, that was the first episode, and then I'm like, this is cool. I want to keep doing this, you know, because. I was an introvert before working on the show. So I recorded that episode. And then a couple of weeks later, I recorded James with AJ to talk about experimenting. Yeah. You know, that was, that, I'm like, okay, now I have to keep working on the show. And then uh, you might not know this, but I actually told my, 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 my manager, like, hey, you know, every time when James uh, booked the studio, put me on it. Great. But it's, yeah, that's awesome though, internet. because it makes it easier to have the same team working on it. It makes it so right. much easier. You go back to the studio and it's like, hey, there's Jay. And, you know, the host is already comfortable with Jay. Jay already knows how to set up. Jay knows how, like, it, it just makes it makes the whole process easier when you have the same team. It's good that right. you did that. You stepped up and you said, hey, I wanted to do this. And now you're in charge of the team, you know? Thank you. Thank you. I, I try to. I'm very bad at managing people, but I, I still try to. So, like, from, from there, so, like, oh, I think what really pushed me the edge, because, like, even then, I was still kind of kind of contractor, freelancer, in, mm-hmm. in, in the sense that because you guys still moving studios. Right. Right? Because you have, you go to Sweet Sounds, you guys go to Hangar. Right. Because so, my, my, the, all that mattered was the post-production was happening on, on the laptop that on, was yeah. wherever my body was. <laughs> and I remember the laptop was Alienware. Yeah. Alienware, please sponsor this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sitting right next to I've I have my current laptop sitting on top of that laptop right now. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, yeah, I mean, if Alienware wants to sponsor the episode, I don't mind them sending me a couple gaming machines, you know. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so, but what really pushed me off the edge is after maybe, was it a year or maybe six months, Sweet Sounds announced that it's closing. That's right. So Sweet Sounds closed, and then I'm like, ah, crap. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be out of job. I need to find jobs. And then I remember… Uh, you went to a different which... studio for a little bit, right? You went to MSI? No. No? Or no, you, were booking, so... you were booking a different studio? You were booking James through yep. there for a little bit. You were just like, hey, James, I'll engineer the show. I'll find yep. you the place. Don't worry about this. Let me take this off your hands. 
Yep, that's exactly what I did. That's great. Uh, Thanks for doing yeah. that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, because like I remember, I don't remember which episodes, but they were talking about like you know you can always ask. Uh, and then and then there's one episode with uh, Chris Voss about mm-hmm. negotiations as well. So I was getting ready to learn oh to use God. other technique. I'll, but, I'll say know, I'll tell you my other life in HarperCollins. Right. We published that book, so I worked on that when it came out, and I've read it so many times. It's it's incredible. I, like Chris, the that book has been the the most helpful book, uh, nonfiction do, do you, book. Maybe do you still read them right now, or do you like do you do you dig it up and read it couple every couple months, or do you like read a couple that's, times? That's and, one of the few books that I that is like a handbook for me. That it's always <laughs> the examples are just so. I go between like that and then like the Stephen Covey, uh, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Those things are oh, like yeah, the good right. like moral kind of stories mixed with uh, actionable advice that seems to be able to work at the get-go. And both of them, the whole thing is basically just like empathic listening and, right. and being like, you're not negotiating against them. You're trying to reach, you're trying to right. reach the There's, solution, but the, the solution, solution has yep. to be a solution that both parties want to agree to. It, they ha- right. it has to be something that appears to be win-win. Wait, so so I'm really curious. So like, do you remember the episodes when, when Chris was on James? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, 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 do you learn anything extra from the app, from the podcast, or do you like still like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I expected it to be? The interview with Chris Voss really enhanced what I had learned from the book because because really? I got to hear because I get to hear James ask questions because he you know he likes asking the most naive type questions just so he can um, hear an answer, just be like why. Um, and you don't get the opportunity when you're reading a book. You give you get the examples right. that are given, and the examples are great in a really well written practical book like that. But you don't get right. to say why and get an answer on the spot. And with James, he's he's always like you know he's always just going to say why or like what happened next. And right, you get right, that answer. Right. It's like you don't get that answer when you just read the thing. You're always it's like you want a cliffhanger. You know you want like right. it's like oh I want to pick this up. Or I want to read it again. I want I want the next book. James is always good because you always know he's going to go in. He read the book. That's why it's not a book podcast anymore. He couldn't read 20 books a week anymore because he sat right. down. He would do it and he would be like, oh, my God, I got to read this book. And the, every time an author would come in, they're like, wow, that's a really dog-eared copy of this book. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. There's one of five authors I'm interviewing this week and I read them all. So let's get into right. it. Here's my questions. It's not just a. It's not a book review podcast. It's like... I took the time to read your book. Tell me more stuff now. <laughs> yeah, and also like whenever James has someone on a show, he doesn't. He's not afraid to ask the simplest and most naive questions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to seem smart. The, he states that he's like, I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm using this platform as a way to ask questions to people to, who I would never have gotten the opportunity and right. hear the answer. I don't want to tell them things. I want to know what they're saying. Yeah, and also like I don't know if, if uh, I don't know if this happened to you, but it's happened to me. Like I find it really hard, really hard, really, really, really hard to ask the simplest and most naive questions. Mm-hmm. You want to you try know, to because, be like smart. You want to be like, yeah, hey, I, you, I've got you in front of me now. I need to ask the good question, and sometimes the yeah. good questions just like, yeah, it's yeah, and also like the the just how quick he can to form a a questions right on his head. Like mm-hmm. like I never have a session that I came in that I recorded James on has a note and paper in front of him. And I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask the question. No, no never. None of it. No, never. it's a conversation. It, it really worked. 
it, it was refreshing. I remember like right. when James and I would work together on the Upper West Side, and sometimes we'd we'd hop in a cab together after right. because we're like we were both heading downtown to wherever. He's always like that. He's always right. asking why, and it's really hard to keep up. And his brain's going so fast. I'm just like, I don't know. I, know. I don't even. <laughs> it's amazing how he's he's always he's James James on the show is just it's just James. It's it's yeah. not a it's it's just the you know he's the, then, like Brian Grazer right you know right just curious yeah. mind and he whole he yeah ah, no, I, <laughs> I see I see why you do that ah I heard about the show before but but Jim is also fascinated it's also he's probably one of the few people can actually translate what I'm trying to say because like you know I have accents and um, I think I have some speech impairment too uh, and then you know English is my second language so sometimes it takes me a while to sort of express my ideas over but James get it right away mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of crazy like how fast his mind works and like he can sort of see what you were trying to ask or what you were trying to express well so so get back to the show like mm-hmm. how have you seen that the show change like I'm sure you know like you worked longer than me and then you edit pretty much all the episodes Everything. since 100 and, and plus uh, episodes pretty much all of them I don't think it's most of them I think all of them you pretty much edit all of them no? yeah yeah, so like how have you seen the, the show change in terms of format and, and you know? Yeah, I mean, everything. in terms of format, it was a business show. Entrepreneurship, that kind of stuff. And it was just James getting a platform out there. You know, it was going alongside his newsletter business that he had started up, which was giving advice. Um, right. And that's where it started off because that's the business he was in at the time. It was just James doing his thing, right? Right. So I think it was like business tech is a lot sloppier. We didn't care though. And that's fine. And then he decided, hey, I want to professionalize this. A way to get better guests, a way to get better respect, more people listening is to standardize the format so it looks like shows that are being produced by companies. So we did that. We So we upped the production value. We hired me mm-hmm. to do post-production. I hired Pamela to help him with all the production aspects. And we worked out a release schedule. Okay. We worked out hosting, just everything. We went through a period where it's like, here's where it's going to go pro. And then he went up to like, okay, I said, well, let's host through Libsyn. I had a standard. It's like, here are the audio standards. Here's what we need to deliver the audio at. Here's where we need to put these mid-roll ads. The, you know, here's right. what, how we're going to set up music stings in and out of our breaks to and from the show. Are we going to put previews up at the top of the show? Who's going to come up with that? We came up with a formula of how we're going to create a repeatable um, episode that sounds good no matter what, the, the volume, everything. And at that point, the show started pivoting a little bit. And a lot of it, I think we started adding a lot of books at that point. What do you mean by pivot? Like how how does it pivot? Having an extra person on there, having Pamela working, you know, dedicating herself to the show. She was able to reach out to a lot more correspondence because we know James hates emailing. So right. if you're going to have a guest that's, re- if you're going to have a show releasing on a regular schedule, you need to have, be able to keep up correspondence, right? right? You need people to come on because the show very, it wasn't very often just James talking. Um, right. It became much more of a regulated guest. Like we need to have X amount of guests on. We need to get these things booked. We need to have, you know, however many shows in, in the bank so we can keep production rolling. There's a lot more just kind of dedication to the process of like, this is the team effort as opposed to this is this is James trying an experiment, right? So there's mm-hmm. like, that was like the beginning of the professionalization of the podcast. And then when you need to get a certain amount of guests at the time or you're figuring what you're doing, so books became something huge to you, how it is blogged, you know, the, right. the writing, like 
I think there's kind of a core circle of podcasters who he's friends with who became early adopters of the show. These people who are great in the, you know, personal development fields is, you know, you get your friends like Tim Ferriss and, and uh, AJ Jacobs right. and all Ryan Holiday, other people with podcasts who are pollinating the hive of, of like this genre that's um, right. gone up over time. And then you need to get more guests. And what we ended up doing is like, we ended up with many, 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 many authors. Um, right. <laughs> so for a while, it just kind of seemed like it was a book review podcast, not book review, but a book podcast, a business podcast, podcast right, right, right. that was actually a book podcast. So we did that for a while. And then, and then we grew, we were saying, well, this book podcast thing, he realized, Hey, I don't want to be a book podcast. And this is right, what he got right. into. So I think at that point, so you're on the crew, it was me, you and Pamela and David Newman, who was kind of working on this thing. And then we, I think we had it on Steve at some point. So Steve came on. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen. Producer yeah. extraordinaire came on, and Steve came from a different background, right? So Steve came from a background where he's booking celebrities. He's booking people right. across all formats of media for, for morning shows, for, for news media. He had, like, the largest Rolodex in the world, and he knew all the agents. He knew all the clients. He knew all that, except from a much deeper level on an entertainment background as opposed to the tech background that – as opposed to James's just inner circle and being like, oh, here's someone interesting. You know, a lot of the beginning, it was like James being like, here's who, here's who I want to have, but not really knowing he would reach out to right. get guests on there, but it was from a different way. And then we, and then it, it, it pivoted when Steve joined the show to being something where we're getting guests, like we're getting, we're getting like, you know, Hey, I don't want to be, here's how big we can get with X Let's try something right. else. Let's try getting, you know, A-list celebrities on, you know, right. of, or certain, you know, just people, big names. And we produced, right? We got right. some huge things on there. Richard yeah, Branson. Yeah, we have like Neil deGrasse, yeah, Richard Branson, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We had, you and, know. Uh, Mike Rowe, uh, Chelsea Handler. Justice Sony Sotomayor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's know? probably the only, only uh, justice that's ever been on podcasts. Mm-hmm. And our podcast is the first podcast that she's been on, I think. No, our, but it's Jason Plus show. Yeah. So those things were happening all through that time up to up to Steve joining the show. Right. We were recording all over the place too. So audio quality wise, when I joined on, we also had made a firm switch to we need to record in studios. We need to record right. with real equipment. I don't want any more, hey, we put a microphone in a room. Here's what you're getting because it makes it's impossible. You can't cons- give a consistent result to the audience. Right, right, right. So we moved along. Steve joined on, and James had made his turn, his pivot into this point of doing stand-up comedy, and he became a co-owner at Stand Up New York. Right, right, right. So now James co-owns a comedy club that has a podcast studio on the second floor, and he's right. got you as the full-time engineer. So now we've got an in-house recording studio, more or less. That's a block away right. from James' apartment. Right. right. So we're doing that. And now we're just churning out the episodes. It's like we got guests on, we got comedy going. He's doing stuff. It became kind of it's like he in James' mind it pivoted to a peak performance podcast at that point, which was going back along to like what other people were doing, like what Freakonomics, right. you know. And yep. and and James really kind of those were the seeds of of what's turned into his you know forthcoming uh, skip the line release, you know his like next like major foray in publishing where he was turned he was taking that choose yourself message and taking that peak performance thing, he was pushing the 10,000 hour rule for so long until he finally right. said, Hey, this isn't right. I don't believe this anymore. 
I'm right. thinking maybe it's more of like the 10,000 experiment rule and then being like, oh, crap, I got a book idea. Let me run with this and let me turn the podcast into people who are doing these peak performance in unexpected ways. People who it went from a 10,000 hour podcast to people who are doing it without spending 10,000 hours. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that, that's pretty much now his message. That's, now, that's the new message. Yeah, especially right now, uh, you know, like the, the stand-up comedy because, you know, he being, he being chewed by so many stand-up mm-hmm. comedians like, hey, you have to pay your dues. You right. have to skip the do line. so long. However, skip, you, you, no, didn't, right. you can't skip the line. You can't skip the line. You have to like do whatever. And then James like, this is not right. Yeah. F it. I've been doing this my whole that's, career. That's James. That, that's, that's pretty much James' uh, principle, right? Now it is. Just he bend realized, the rule. He realized that he's, yeah. been al- he's always been doing it. I mean, yeah. it's not… Skip the line. I don't think really is choose yourself 2.0, but it's like no. it's a, it's that evolution of to like, okay, do all the stuff you need to do, to, you know, to not be depressed, to be a, a you're right. you're a fully functioning human being, and also now that you're a fully functioning human being doing all this stuff, being your best self, hey, go out and do whatever you want because you don't have to do that and then get an internship to be an architect. I don't know, not architects a right. bad thing. Don't don't architect don't build, pretty hard. Don't to, don't to pretend build. to be an architect, people, but um. <laughs> <laughs> you do want any more hole on the street or, or, or in the house, you know? Well, well that's the thing. So, like, um, yeah, so, like, I felt like Skip the Line, I mean, like, it's coming out, what, February 23rd? I'm pretty sure. I felt like Skip the Line, it's like the sequel to Choose Yourself. Sure, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like you, you choose yourself first mm-hmm. and then you can do Skip the Line. That's right. Because, like, without, without choosing yourself, you can't really decide whether you can skip how are you going to get that? I, how are you going to get that one good idea out of three thousand five hundred bad ones on your list if you don't write those right. bad ideas? So you have seen so many different formats. What which is your favorite? I'm just curious, like because like James started out like you know like business and then books, and then now it's more like he's trying to translate whatever is happening in the world mm-hmm. to the to the listener. The best is yet to come. I'm really right. so our latest pivot. We got most of the history. So we made a pivot, right? We've yep. got twenty. We left, kind of left twenty. We we just kind of talked about twenty twenty in a big blur. Wait, is twenty 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 a year? Done. I thought we never. I never, I thought we never speak about twenty twenty anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just so joking. Yeah, go ahead. So there was a big pivot in there where we switched because we were one thing is when James started the podcast a long, long time ago. It was microphone in a room, or it was Skype, bad sounding Skype, or it was right. something. Right. So we professionalized it, and then it was. Everyone was in person, sitting in the room, talking to each other because that's the best right. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And it is the best, except when it's not, right? Yeah. Um, here's an example of when it's not. Terry Gross, Fresh Air. Her interviews are always phone interviews, right? Might have the right. big, might be the greatest interviewer in in public radio history. None of those are in person. They're all edited. They're all phone interviews. All right. Here's another example of when it's not great. When there's a global pandemic and you can't be across the, in the same room from each other. Okay, so you can't two be great examples. So we had yep. switched at the beginning of 2020 to James wanting to record in his apartment, right? So you had set up right. gear. You'd set up a whole rig in there. We had a videographer, Eric Norcross. We were doing the right. whole thing. We had pivoted again in format. So James, it was going to be the James Altucher, everything from his uh, apartment, audio, video, whatever. You know, right. we're trying out lots of stuff. And then um, March comes around and, hey, maybe we're not having guests in James' apartment anymore. Right. So then you had to come up with a whole different way to keep the show going. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I have to like because now we've booked and then we have to figure out okay, the guest is in LA, how can we record both sides 
And you know, so it's it's also a, a learning experience for me because like we always do in person. We never really have to do that's right uh, remote. Even even before lockdown, every time uh, Steve like, hey, can we do this remote? Like I usually would say, hey, can we please book them in person because that's the best sounding. So many less variables. Yeah, and also body language is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, so James can you know change his uh, questions based on the body language. That's right. So we ended up using Skype. We try Skype. I didn't like it. Nope. Yeah, it's. I feel like everything that James try, and then that it change is because I don't like it, mm-hmm. and you don't like it as well. Because like I listen to the Skype, I'm like, okay, this sounds very shitty. Um, you know, like we have to change. And then we use Zoom, mm-hmm. and then Zoom is like, everyone's using Zoom, but no one realized Zoom is not great. So and then we we changed to Squadcast. Mm-hmm. The only issue with Squadcast is it doesn't record video. It doesn't record. So, We're looking at each other on very good quality video right now. And yep, we could be, I guess, record. screen recording that on our computer. We could. We could but, do uh, something like that, but it's not… Yeah, it doesn't record it. It's the same. Yep, it doesn't record it. So we went. So with some guests, we went back to Zoom. With the guests mm-hmm. that we know that we're never going to use the video, we still use Squadcast. Mm-hmm. But James is actually developing a, a new uh, software to sort of tackle, tackle all this… Xcaster. Yep. As Coster, yeah. So like we're still trying to figure out, and then apparently it's a very very hot problem, uh, and it's a hot problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So 2020, it's all um, uh, remote recording, and then I think it's during this time, James sort of realized. We also look at the data. Mm-hmm. James realized not all his listener won a list uh, a list guest. That's right. Yeah, we have someone on. Sometimes the guests just play into the audience. Or sometimes the, the guests know what the audience want. They would just say that only. So like it, it wasn't as fun to record and listen. Well, so we were putting out a lot more episodes, right? And then it was, yeah. I think something. So we realized James, we know James asks very, you know, we talked about earlier about his question asking, right? So, mm-hmm. but maybe it's like, okay, we don't, it, maybe we want to hear him say something instead of just hearing him ask questions. Right. So. He, he, yeah, because he, that's, he flipped it around. He's like, oh, because he started doing some episodes when he was in his apartment. He had, he had some friends right. on. Um, and they yeah. would be, you know, like Brian McFadden or, or they'd just be chatting and there would be a lot more James input instead of James just yep. cutting somebody off saying, I'm sorry for interrupting, but here's another question. There's right, a lot more right. of, it was like 50%, 60% James taking the front instead of the backside. And there was a right. lot more uh, listener feedback, right? There was a lot more engagement yep. when he was putting out views instead of being an interviewer. Interviewer, yeah. There's yeah. kind of a switch. Yeah, and also he did a lot more of the, the IGTV stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the IGTV, sorry, IG Live IG stuff, Live. You know, so like, so he's trying to translate what's going on in the world because he realized, you know, everyone, everyone has their own interpretations of the news and then the news, you know, like every other thing, the news always has sides. So like he's trying to translate what's really going on. And then he also tried to talk, he's also talked about his experience a little bit more, life mm-hmm. lessons a little bit more uh, when if it's just him, you know. So like we got a lot more feedback and a lot more, you know, listenership uh, on those episodes as well. Certainly. Yeah. It was interesting. It was became, it, the show had always been evergreen, right? The episodes right. were not oh, yeah. you could be listened to whenever and we would just stock up episodes right. you have it whenever you know you put it around right. a book launch or a release date for a show or something but you right. could put it out whenever because you're not mentioning life events and it became it switched from that to being total like james hot takes every day live right. <laughs> oh it's almost like a news station now it's like yeah. a, almost like a news podcast yeah. you know right like 
like, oh, uh, election is happening. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And who is this, 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 this. But I felt like, it's it's funny, I felt like a lot more tuning into those rather than, you know, like A-list celebrities as well. Because they, they want to know what James' thought is. Because James always has, like, like we mentioned before, James has a very, very interesting way of analyzing things. He takes a very moderate perspective. He takes a very right. middle-of-the-road look at it like, being part of the media, we know every media outlet has an angle and every person has a personal angle. Right. So this is when we started drilling down on, here's what I think, what's the good reason, what's the real reason? Yep, that's, that's, I think that's, that he said that all the time, mm-hmm. that's always a good reason and that that's always a real reason. So he's, he's, yeah. it was like, what's the real reason behind the news without being a conspiracy theory kook? And we, we had to, yep. we, uh, you know, it's a hard line to skirt sometimes. It is because it's just because the sometimes the real reason sounds almost like cons- conspiracy theory. Right. So it was you know, almost, it was always yeah. skirting the boundary of of um of like keep giving good advice and don't be crazy. Right. Yeah. I think I think so, we managed that just barely. It barely. Yeah. But, but because like James is also rational, right? Like he asks why, but he, he is also, rational. But he's a, yeah, part of he, part of being rational is 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 entertaining a lot of is hearing a lot of sides and having. You know, people right. on like uh, like John McAfee, and then <laughs> and then be releasing <laughs> an episode, being like John's a crazy person. You know, I have We're not releasing have another episode. Like we have one big episode that was that has never been released. You know, Yo, oh, oh, right. Um, we have the episode. I almost forgot so about that. There are other things, you know, and it goes the other way too on on both sides of the political spectrum. It's, yeah. So like, yeah. So so that's why, like, you know, like it's like one thing that I also learned from Jeremy. So so like. It's hard to just look at all the sides. It's really mm-hmm. hard to to have the energy to look at all the sides, but you have to because and he's trying to do it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, because you can't just look at one side. Then you only have one side of the story. You always it's have really to- hard for me to listen to as a person who has a political ideology. You know, right? To listen to work on a show, and and I also appreciate it, but it's really hard to hear an opposing opinion. Wait, so this is gonna be interesting. So what? How hard is it for you? Do you have to like oh? Do you do you do that? You know that like, I don't ugh, anymore because I time. sometimes well sometimes <laughs> sometimes I have to I have to wait for James to record an intro after the episode and then wait to hear what his feedback is on on the thing and I uh, I, I eagerly right, wait right. to hear what he's going to say in the intro after because I I'm listening to the ep- I'm editing the episode in real time as it goes along the first time and I'm like right, I don't right. know what this I don't know what this interview is going to hold I'm mostly trying to like take out stumbles and stuff on this first pass and then I'm like oh that was a hot one now I'm oh. like now I'm like oh now what what's James going to say about it see I'm just curious wait did, did that change any of your view at all or you still like hold that that view I, I just have I mean, my more view, like, have like, my viewpoints changed yeah but no, no I'm, I'm much more no, aware sorry. of like echo chambers I'm much more aware of okay. of, of my own uh you know talking about Psychological, the yeah, all these biases, yeah. unconscious biases that I'm like, I'm trying to be aware of all the unconscious biases that that I want to feed into as a person, you know. So I, so I'm not just, uh, I don't want to spiral. I want to be aware that that I get dopamine effects by reading things that that are inside my echo chamber, right. but that is not that's not a hundred percent of the story all the time. Right. So yeah, that, that that's good to hear because I think that's what James went to Richard Carr's as well. It's not like. You don't have to change sides. You can be on uh, same side, but you know, like as long as he can get the the points over and make sure you are aware that you are not in the echo chamber. Because I I try to stay uh, as neutral as possible as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to adapt the practice of you know trying to stay neutral so I can listen to 
all the sides, and then I can have my own ideas. Right. It's trying to get around yeah. the bias, like the the filter bias. Like in, when it, when the information's coming into your brain, right? Like as right. you're receiving it, you know, like you're going to receive it biased if you think the person telling you the information is a liar, right? Right. So it's like See, it's, if if. If if they're not a liar, you have to be ready to receive some information that might not be 100% what you want to hear and give it, okay, that could be true. Okay, what, which episodes change your view the, the most? Or you have the most impressions? Is that, What's is like that the, the right, longest-lasting right. effect episodes? On? Yeah. When Ariana Huffington wrote that book about sleep, I think you worked on that. Right. They recorded that yep. episode. That episode, I remember, like, they dedicated that whole, like, an hour to talking about sleep and how, right. and how like, this woman had changed her. It was like, I never thought about it. Like, it's like, of course, eight hours of sleep is what you need. Right? Sure. Right. But it's like, right. Ariana Huffington, you know, had an empire, a media empire, all this stuff. And it's like, this is what is important to her. She's like... I really realized this. This is the most important thing. I'm like, oh, maybe sleep really is effing important. Like, right. it was like, um, as because at that time in my life, I was working on a show. You know, I was doing all my editing at nighttime. I was working two full-time right. jobs. I was producing, you know, like my, my own business where I produce podcasts, including working on right. this one and then my full-time job and having a wife and kids. And I was like, I was doing all my work at, you know, 11 midnight. I'd, I'd always send in episodes at two in the morning because that's when I was right. working. And I'm like, Oh, hey, Ariana, maybe had she had a good idea where like, oh, maybe maybe like take some of this stuff to heart instead of just trying to get get it churned out. Like Do you sleep eight hours of the uh you know sleep eight hours? Yeah, my current schedule is I my wife and I put our, our young kids to bed around eight thirty and then I get up at five and do my podcast work in, in the morning typically oh. from about from about five AM until nine AM. So you do So you I get eight hours sleep, of sleep hours. and then I yeah. work I've learned that I work better in the morning. When I'm not, okay. when I'm right? You're going to do better. Right. Uh, it's your brains and your ears are better in the morning. So and you're more creative. More creative in the, in the morning. And there's less distractions. Yep. You're not thinking about all the stuff from the previous day. I've become very boring, um, but I've done that. I, I, now I, man, I go to bed early. It's, it's I sleep hood, hours. I, I work. I work <laughs> diligently on, on one business in the morning, bright and early. Right. And then I work very diligently on another business for another eight hours. And then I have personal time for four hours and then uh start at repeat wait so so you haven't you haven't yeah you so it's Irene huffington the 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 it's, the, it's not the no it's, it can't be the answer but it's it maybe it is the answer yeah because if you talk about it it, it should be your answer i it's mean one it's uh, something it's yeah it's it's something that's like that that episode happened like you. four years ago right maybe 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 you were saying maybe like in 2020 those episodes maybe you might not learn more. Maybe My mindset you, you just, has changed in 2020. Yeah. Like the episode in 2020, maybe you like the episodes more or maybe more impactful, but the most impressed, I wouldn't say important, the, the one that leaves most impressions. That one hit me at a brain. time when I needed it. It was right. one of those things yeah. where maybe that message isn't the strongest message of the show. It was a good right. book. She was a good guest. Yeah, It was great yeah. to have her on. And, um, and at that time, it, I really needed to hear somebody say, Get some sleep, or you're or you're gonna screw it all up. And and here's some evidence. And uh, it's and, just like <laughs> group. Oh, it's just yeah. It's just like finding a wife, right, or, or, or a spouse. You need like, to hear from somebody else. The timing else. is right. <laughs> is the timing is right? Wait, what it's is the called? opposite the of having a spouse? Right. A spouse. Whenever a spouse gives you advice, you you ignore it. 
You want to no, no, I mean like oh that's it, finding it's, a spouse. It's like finding a spouse. It's like you know the timing is right, location is right, and uh, and the mindset is right. You know one, the three things collapse. Yeah, but then yeah. once you once then, you have the spouse, you need to work on a podcast so you can hear other people tell you the advice <laughs> that your spouse is giving you, so that you want to take the advice. It's just is your wife going to listen to the podcast? I hope not. Then she yeah. knows if she's rattled along. Uh, okay, so what do you think the podcast gonna go? I'm just curious from your from your take. Where are we going from here? Yeah, I mean, like I know where I'm going from here. Where, but I'm just where's curious, the podcast like, go? I don't know. Where is the podcast going from here? Uh, I think it's just gonna be more James. I think because like felt like we just realized a lot more people want to listen to James rather than uh, the guests. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many people want to li- how many podcast? You remember what, what's what's his name? Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah, he was on everyone podcast and I asked James, uh, do you want him to be on a guest? And then James is like, hmm, I don't know. Like he's been everyone's podcast and then sounds like… Yeah, what am I going to ask him? So we thought about it for, right on the podcast as you get big guests, you're going to get some big numbers, you get some big polls. Right. And what we found over time was the big boosts weren't lasting boosts, right? It's like, mm, yep. okay, maybe somebody really loves Matthew McConaughey. And they're going to listen. Right. And it's going to be a good interview. But the likelihood of that person converting into a subscriber to this show, just because they're a diehard Matthew McConaughey fan, and he appeared on the show one time, it it wasn't. The results weren't lasting. There would be bigger spikes. Right. It's like maybe that you got your ad goal. Okay, you're going to get paid on that ad sale because you got all the impressions, right, from that one thing. Right. But it was just like, it wasn't lasting. It was spike, 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 spike. And those weren't the episodes James liked the best. He's like, hey, yeah. this got me some listens, but they weren't long listens. I, I right. might have rather spent that time, not with any guest in particular, but being creative instead of being like beholden to saying yes to this big guest so we get some big numbers. Right. Yeah, I think that the… The, the numbers weren't James numbers. They were guest numbers. Right. He's like, the guest it's numbers, the James yeah. show. What, yeah. how, do we, how do we do things when nobody's available? <laughs> you know? It's crazy because I have to say the top three guests that James… James' favorite mm-hmm. and also listener favorite based on the data mm-hmm. is Jordan Harbinger. Jordan, great. Because he's the real person. Scott Galloway. Scott. Yeah. And it's funny, like everyone hated Scott. Somehow, like, somehow people still love Scott. Mm-hmm. These two. And then there's one more that I can't remember. Oh, oh Jocko Willing. Sorry. Jocko, Jocko Willing. Love Jocko. Yep. I love Jocko too. Oh, yeah. man. Such yeah. good things. Jocko's one well, of those other people where Jocko's been. I read his books. Those were one of those things where I, another thing where I had read his books um, right. and really took his methods to heart. And then hearing him on the show as well, hearing him and Leif on those things is like right. hearing more examples. It's a lot of those things. It's like you find your niche and then you're like, I want to hear more of this. I want to hear more yes. stories. I want to hear more stories. Yes. Well, the difference between Jocko's, uh, Jocko's and the book uh, compared to all the other aliases is Jocko, like every time when James and uh, Jocko on the podcast, they have something to add that's mm-hmm. not from the book or maybe not from the method itself. And then all of a sudden, they have like a whole new method that they just, they just explore. That's right. And then, you know, they just came out, which is amazing. I always love when Jocko's uh, beyond the podcast. And, and Jordan as well, like mm-hmm. because they, have, they go so far back and both of them are podcasters, right. they, they know exactly how to talk to each other, which is, which is amazing. It's free well, and so, it's no bullshit. <laughs> Yes, no bullshit. That's the thing. Okay, so I want to be respectful of your time. I stole the line from James. I had to put it out there. So one last question maybe maybe you can answer is what lessons they have learned from James they actually turn into actions? 
like for me, I don't think I have took any of his advice and turned into actions, to be honest. But uh, yeah, but I just love listening to them. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't because I don't have James' discipline. Do you turn any of his advice into action? One thing he's always, he takes a lot of flack for and that he always is very upfront for is that he says he gives advice as autobiography, right? He's like, right. these are my stories. This advice I'm giving, this is what's happened. This is what I'm giving based on what happened to me. And these are my extenuating circumstances, so it's not one-to-one with anyone else's life. But this is some right. real shit that happened, and it's not failure porn. It's just, right. here's, here's what I can give you as, uh, as some advice. Don't do what I did. An audio engineer job when you're in your early 20s living in New York City doesn't pay very much money. Oh, man. 15 an hour. Yep. <laughs> I am so fortunate to work with these great people and have a great career. Mm-hmm. Along with that, I've had to learn to temper my expectations of like taking it slow, realizing it can all go away. Diversifying revenue streams has been something right. huge, like becoming oh. becoming my own business, being being able to take on multiple shows at once on top of having a full-time job, you know, uh, being able to do that on top of having a family. Um, <laughs> I didn't take his advice. I, I, I bought a house down the street from his old house in a town that – that he lived in. So I've, I've, right. I've gone the exact opposite way in terms of home buying. I've actually bought a place in the place where he used to live. Um, right. But um, in other regards of trying to take the steps to not let your life fall apart by coasting when you have success or thinking you're the smartest person when you have a modicum of success has been very sobering. Yeah. And also it's, it's sometimes it's, it's also, it's hard because, Try not to be the smartest person in the room because it's more like subconsciously you will want to be the smartest person in the room. Of course. Like you have to like consciously tell yourself, hey, I don't have to be the smartest people in the room. I have to ask as many questions that I can. It's pretty hard. It is. But yeah, thank you, Nathan, for coming on to the Not James Artichoke Show. Maybe I will have James do an intro for this or something. <laughs> Holy cow with J.L. That I like that. Holy cow with J.L. I should have a podcast called Holy Cow to J.L. This, this is it. But, this is our pilot. We just talked. <laughs> this is actually just the pilot of Holy Cow with J.L. Where J. we talk about all the crazy stuff that happened. It's just the, it's just the story about working with James. With James, yeah. From, yeah, from the inner circle. From the inner In circle. The inner circle. Yeah, but yeah, thank you so much for coming to the show because uh, I have been wanting to do this for a while now because I felt like there's some part of James that no one really know and then, mm-hmm. and then you know, like, People all only hear about James talking about other people or, or his own experience, but we haven't heard probably like uh, about like people that work with him or people that um, work for him mm-hmm. or people that like took his advice and become a better person, you know? Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, Nathan. Thanks, Jay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.